HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Taste Washington. With more than 235 wineries, 65 restaurants, and some of the nation's most talented chefs, Taste Washington is the ultimate taste test. Learn more at tastewashington.org. This week on Meet and 3, we bring you stories about the coldest, darkest season. We start in a California vineyard. It's cold, but it's wet, and things are still alive. There's a lot of life in this soil. We explore two frontiers of cocktail culture, luxury ice and the rise of non-alcoholic drinks. The rocks traditionally becomes 25% of your drink's volume, and as such, it imparts smells and tastes. And we investigate the risks facing New York City delivery workers during the harsh winter. In the wintertime, after two hours of biking, it's quite easy, actually, for the bikes to sing upside down or slips or slide. Tune in to this week's episode of Meat and 3, that's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E, for some food for thought to sustain you through the dead of winter. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Good evening and welcome to Eating Matters, where we talk about food policy and how it impacts all of us. I'm your host, Jenna Liute, and we're broadcasting from Bushwick on Heritage Radio Network. One of the things I like best about this show is that I get to highlight the work of people involved in every aspect of our food system, from academics to politicians to authors, as well as founders of what I like to call good food companies. In other words, companies that are finding innovative and impactful ways to create a healthier and more sustainable food system, which is why I'm pleased to welcome Adam Lowry and Dr. Neil Renninger to the show today, co-founders of Ripple Foods. Adam and Neil, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Um, and to have you in person, this is such a treat for me. All of my, most of my guests usually call in, so it's wonderful to have faces to speak to. It's great to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's great that it worked out. <laughs> okay, so let's just let's just jump right in. Um, what is Ripple Foods? Uh, we are a uh, plant-based food company fo- focused on making alternative dairy products. Okay, so that's very succinct. <laughs> yeah, let me no, elaborate. Yeah, no, me elaborate. I'm gonna. <laughs> so okay, plant. Um, so where were you started and when? Uh, we started in um, the, the the back half of 2014, um, and uh, we're based out of Berkeley, California. You're like obviously. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, when we started, we were actually in. Well, when we first started, we were in my kitchen, and then right. we were in San Francisco, and okay. then we uh, then we moved to Emeryville, and we got about uh, this time last year we moved to to Berkeley. So. All right, moving yeah. on up. Yeah, yeah moving exactly. on up, right, a long way from the kitchen. <laughs> okay, so what kind of products do you, that you do you do you make then? Yeah, so we make uh, all kinds of dairy alternative products. So if you think about a soy milk or an almond milk, mm-hmm. we make an alternative to that a plant based milk. Ours is based primarily on peas, uh, mm-hmm. but it also has other plant ingredients in it. Um, and the real big difference is that unlike most of the products in this space, ours is actually nutritious. It's It's got things like protein, and it's rich and creamy and delicious. It's, right. uh, the point is to make plant-based foods that are delicious for a more mainstream audience. Okay. So peas like green peas? <laughs> yeah, yellow. 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 Peas, okay, yeah. really yellow. All right, they're kind of like... Chicken- um, 
like if you ever get a soup mix yep. and you see like lentils and peas in a soup mix, it's, it's those yellow peas. And then why those in particular? All right, well, uh, they're a great source of protein. Are you the the engineer here, or yeah, the, more of the? I'm, I'm a little bit more of a technologist than Adam. You saw Adam, me nod to him, didn't yes, you? Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm passing that one. Yes, I, I, yeah. You know, Adam. Adam has an engineering degree as well, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. who's yeah, got the culinary? Really... Who's got the culinary degree here? <laughs> yeah, neither of us. <laughs> yeah, yep. But that doesn't matter. It's it's delicious. Uh, well, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we use uh, yellow peas because they're a great source of protein. You know, we, we wanted to replicate milk as best. As, as we could from mm-hmm. a, both from a nutrition standpoint and from a from a taste and and mouthfeel kind of that functionality standpoint um, and the important part of that is to find the right protein uh, okay. you know milk is is sugar it's fat it's protein kind of combined and each of those has a function the sugar is there for sweetness the the fat is there for for kind of that creamy mouthfeel mm-hmm. the protein is there um, to kind of bind the, the water and the oil together okay um, and just about any protein will do that. Uh, equally well, um, but uh, but the problem with with most plant proteins is they taste terrible, right? Right. They, they taste like the plant they're derived from, which um, which is really kind of where we focused our initial work. How can we identify a way to 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 clean plant proteins in a way that that makes them easily usable in something like a milk? Mm-hmm. So does that entail um, a lot of tasting a lot of like t- like what yeah. was a trial and error i'm, I'm so i want to kind of yeah. we've got lots to talk about but i, I want to start like at the very beginning with kind of how this got started well, and um like the nitty-gritty especially so were you guys just like tried all the peas well yeah but i want to ask you a question have you ever had pea protein before i have not oh okay i well, have you not should. you're in for a not I'm, am i going to to not tonight uh well yeah you you'll have our stuff and you'll well, it looks like we also have some things that we won't mention okay. um, their brands, but okay. some competitive product, and you'll get to experience the difference. But um, yeah, so the going back to your question, yeah, we kind of tried everything in the beginning, and actually Neil formulated the initial stuff, like he mentioned, in his kitchen. Wow. And the thing about plant proteins is they really don't taste very good, right? And, yeah. And so what... Well, what's an example of a plant protein? Another one. Yeah, so I mentioned pea protein powder, which is if you go buy like a protein powder in a GNC or something like mm-hmm. that and it's and it's not dairy based it's it's likely pea based okay. another example would be soy protein isolate um, and then there's all sorts of different things that you can get there's um, rice yeah rice protein is another big one um, you can get flax protein okay hemp protein yeah um, all of these types of things and <clears throat> the I guess the thing that's really important to take away here is that what what makes Ripple special is actually has nothing to do with peas whatsoever. Um, peas is sort of a mean to, means to an end for us as a protein source. Mm-hmm. Um, all proteins are tasteless. They don't have any flavor. So if they're pure, they don't taste bad. They don't right. taste like anything at all. So there's actually no reason why a soy milk has to take, like, taste like soybeans and kind of be kind of beanie, right? Okay. And there's no reason that a, a veggie burger has to take, taste all planty. Um, and it was that, that was Neil's insight, actually. And if you get really pure protein, mm-hmm. it's you can make really delicious plant-based foods that are really milky in our case, right? They're creamy, delicious, don't taste weird. They taste more like milk. Right. Um, and then, you know, for us, what's motivating about that is then you open up your brand to a much larger audience than just people that are going to drink soy milk or almond milk because they can't drink anything right because they have to (laughs) um so okay that's really that's fascinating and i just have one more question i know i'm like kind of stuck on this before we move on but you know in terms of the what does that process look like how do you extract protein specifically in your kitchen like what does that look like (laughs) syringes syringes yeah yeah no. Really, really oh. tiny. I, I was like, really? I'm pulling your chain. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I should have like prefaced this with um, the fact that I haven't had a science class in like 20 years, and I'm pretty sure my last one was like geology. So I'm a little, yeah, yeah, I'm a little bit behind the curve. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 kind of simple. You 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 have to get soak the protein, soak the peas in water, and 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 kind of get the protein out of the peas and mm-hmm. into the water, and okay. then. Uh, the problem is when you do that, you you get a lot of other stuff along for the ride. So then yep. it's about trying to to play with things like temperature and pressure and pH and salt concentrations, and and those things can tease apart the protein from the mo- the molecules that are tend to 
give color and taste. Okay. Um, and so once you do that, you can separate the protein from the, the those taste molecules, and then you just have to isolate the protein. And then that's that's what you guys have. That's what we use. That's, that's what, what makes us unique. Yeah, we, yeah. we call that riptine. You okay. know, that's our made-up name for it, right? But riptine really is, it's the purest plant protein anywhere in the world. Okay. And we can prove that, actually, analytically. Um, the process that Neil and his team has created creates the purest plant protein that you can get, and it's virtually tasteless. And that's how we can put tons of protein in products and have them taste good. Yep. And what do you mean by pure? It is it just is like just protein. It's no not, additives. Yeah, okay. so Neil Lacking, could probably better yeah, describe just, some of the small molecules that often make them taste weird. But. Right. It, it, things like flavonoids and, and uh-huh. tannins, things like that that, that actually are usually th- the things that taste bitter or astringent. Right. Those are the things that we can take and strip away. And they're not proteins, but they often bind to proteins. And okay. that's why... You know, soy milk tastes like soybeans, not because it has protein. It's because of these things that Neil just mentioned that are kind of bound to the protein. And that's okay. that's our secret sauce. I'm like tannins, like wine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. And what do tannins taste like? They're bitter. Um, yeah, like bitter. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Really astringent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you and want like, to get those things away. And if you add pea protein, you, you it's mouth drying. Okay. Right? And a lot yeah. of that comes from not only tannins, but... But that too. Okay, so you have riptine, and that is that is like the the main ingredient, or that's what all of your products are based on. How many different products do you have right now? Yeah, we've got a couple of different lines. So we started with a line of non dairy milks that are in varieties that you would expect: a mm-hmm. regular, an unsweetened, chocolate, and vanilla. Um, we then extended into things like half and half. Um, and which is great for coffee creaming quote, as well as cooking. Quote, quote unquote, it's half plant, and half. It is a plant-based half and half. Yes. Yeah, I, I think we're going to get to that. We're going to get to. We're going to talk all about labels <laughs> yeah, in a minute. Yeah. 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 Um, and we just launched. We're super excited. We just launched a line of um, uh, pl- um, plant-based uh, nutrition shakes and powders. Okay. So um, sports nutrition. Mm-hmm. So these are 20 grams in a 12-ounce bottle. Very little sugar. Um, and they're delicious. They're right here. And yeah. You're I mean, I haven't, ch- I haven't them. had dinner yet. Yeah. So <laughs> I think it can be a meal replacement, yeah. although there's some yummy food nearby. So Yeah. I mean, yes. As, <laughs> as everybody listening knows, we're broadcasting from Roberta's, which is the only pizza you ever really need to eat. <laughs> if nice you're, plug. If you're, <laughs> you yeah. know, I do what we can, we do what we can here. <laughs> we, we use our space. So yeah. also it's just t- completely true as you guys will. We'll find out soon. Um, where does the name Ripple come from? That was one of the questions I first had. Yeah, it's it's, it's a play on the Ripple effect. And it, you're probably going to slightly longer your answer than you're looking for here. No, but, I like it. But, um, like, Neil and I believe that the food world just has way too many rules associated with it. That it's all about eat this, don't eat that. That's good for you. That's bad for you. And then it all changes and it's exhausting and confusing. Yeah. And you f- constantly feel guilty about what you are not doing well enough from a dietary perspective. And Mm -hmm. we want to turn that on its head and say, listen, we're all trying to get a little bit better every day and just like pick one little thing that has a ripple effect, right? Mm -hmm. That, you know, maybe you try meatless Mondays and instead of being shamed Mm -hmm. for having a burger with your friends when you go out on Friday, like we want to be the brand that says good on you for, for, you know, doing that one little thing. And um, those ripple effects actually add up. So to kind of land this one, this comment, um, we actually can keep track of how much water we save, how much carbon we save, how much more protein and less sugar people get. And the numbers are pretty astounding. So just in the last year, you're talking about over 100 billion gallons of water relative to what uh, people could have bought instead of Ripple. Right. Talking about 20 million pounds of carbon, 500 tons more protein. Versus like dairy? Like yeah. Animal versus, dairy? Yeah. So for like what exa- is the comparison between? Yeah. So... Um, so the 100 billion gallons of water is if you were going to get that same amount of protein from almond milk mm-hmm. um, through your regimen, you would, you, you would use or you would consume yeah. 100 billion gallons more water, which is yeah. the wow. – incidentally, that's the amount of water that L.A. uses in an entire year. Really? Yeah. That is an amazing statistic. Yeah, yeah, and then the 20 million pounds of carbon. So, for example, if you bought – Dairy in yeah. fr- instead of Ripple, um, that would emit um, it, it, the amount of Ripple that we sold in the last year. Okay, right? yeah. Um, that you would emit uh, 20 million pounds more carbon. 
And so what we do is we actually communicate about this. We call it the ripple effect, right? Uh-huh. Hashtag. It's a hashtag. And on a periodic basis, we <laughs> send it out. Effect. Yeah, you got it. Um, <laughs> and we send it out to our consumers because we want to give them the credit right. for the ripple effect that they're having. So. Mm-hmm. Long answer, but that's why we call ourselves Ripple. No, that's, let's talk about the consumer. Let's talk about the consumer for a minute. Yes. Um, like, how have you found um, the response to be, like, it's in terms of to your product initially? It's been amazing. And, you know, what, we're trying to build a product that, uh, you know, that's, it's not just for vegans and vegetarians. It's right. for, for everyday people. Like, I, I want something that my grandparents would have would have uh, drank if they were still yeah. around, right? That's and, and really And technically, important. you, if you're you, can make it in your kitchen, <laughs> which is, you know, <laughs> we want to, well, get back to how our grandparents used to cook and eat. Like, you're like, technically. The, <laughs> we're going to have to check the food safety of, uh, <laughs> of Neil's kitchen. Let's not talk about that. No. It was just me and my kids, my poor kids, and they're still around. They, yeah. There they, you go. They still, they still, you know, they, what's funny is they, they love these protein shakes. They drink them for dessert. Literally. Yeah? They wow. They love them. Um, See them, they're like 12-year-old Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. No, they're built like me, right? They're super skinny. They're tall and skinny. Um, so sorry I but, interrupted you. No, no, no. But, you know, just to finish that story, yeah. they started obviously tasting milk from my kitchen, and and, and it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And so they still, they still, you know, Dad, thank, thank you. Thank you for not making us drink that vegetable <laughs> milk anymore. That stuff was so gross. <laughs> I, so much better. Yeah. So, so there's never a better time to learn the response that you have to your product. Mm-hmm. As, as when you can no longer give it to people. So yeah. um, unfortunately, <laughs> like, we had a little hiccup this past year where we ran short on some product and some shelves got empty. Mm-hmm. And I have this buddy that's a friend of mine. He's kind of a neighbor and we're friends. And he, he told me the story. He was in the, the neighborhood grocery store. And he's in the grocery store and he sees this guy at the dairy alternative aisle. And he doesn't know the guy, but he sees him across there. And the guy just throws his head back and goes... Ripple, <laughs> Ripple, what are you doing to me? <laughs> and that's like, the that's amazing. You're like, we've made it. We're, yeah, yeah as guess. a company. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, you still want to not be out of stock. You're like, <laughs> still left some uh, money on the table, but that's totally yeah. okay because yeah. uh, you have the demand. But you, I mean, the other thing is that you guys are on the, we're on the coast, right? So how are you, what are you doing to reach the middle of the, the people in the middle of the country? We have where, great you know, distribution. Yeah. yeah. You do? Distribution's a big thing. Um, so we, we intentionally distribute our products very much nationally. I mean, Target, Whole Foods, um, yeah. those are, those are, um, Target. Yep. Yes. Yeah. That's, Target. Target. Were they one of your original retailers? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. There was a second place that we went. Um, we were in we were in some Whole Foods regions first, but Target mm-hmm. was our first national customer. Wow. Yeah. And when was that? Uh, that was in uh, the summer of 2016. Okay. Um, so so you have a, a focus um, in you know trying to reach everybody, mm-hmm. and I should say a fellow Detroiter. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe even more of an incentive. Yeah. Want to get your product into your hands of people that you know. Um, how did you? What was like? What was that like um, to kind of decide who you wanted to? Or maybe it wasn't a decision. Did you? Like how how do you, how are you able to initially get on people's shelves? Just like kind of take us back from like you know you're a startup, you've got a young yeah. product. What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, fortunately, it the, it's not the first time I've tried to do this. So I started a company called Method Cleaning Products Company uh-huh. uh, about 20 years ago, and the, all the customers are identical. So right. um, I've sold to Whole Foods, I've sold to to Target before a premium branded product. I have bought your product in a Whole Foods. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I haven't. I don't use it as much as I should, okay. to, uh, which means I don't clean as much as I should. But no judgments. We're not judging. But I bought here. it. That's what matters. Right? Ripple effect. One little thing. Yes. We're not judging. It's We're there if I decide to clean. Yeah. So, so you know, Ripple is a is a. It's actually now the largest green cleaning company in the world. So, um, oh, Methodist. We, Methodist. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Wow. Yes, so Ripple. That's, yeah. I do that all the time. By the way. Um, and uh, so. Those customers I had a pre-existing relationship with, and okay. then of course we built out a team of salespeople and marketing people that have deep experience, kind of selling to these channels and customers. And mm-hmm. that is by no means to say that it was easy right. uh, or has been easy. I mean, it's kind of a dogfight, but yeah. um, but you yourself. build your business to try to do that. And then for us, without going into you know too much of a tangent, it's also we provide a lot of value for our retailers other than just 
you know, kind of commodity products. Right. Um, and so we play a strategic role for our retailers, and that's that helps too. Okay. And you also have a stuff company, a, found, a startup under your belt, right? Yeah. Is, yeah. It, it is a, it a startup? Would you call it a, I mean, an established well, not, company yeah, now? It's not yeah. It's a startup anymore, right? Um, you have started up a company. I've started up a company. <laughs> a company called Amaris is a synthetic biology company. A company was uh, um, kind of mucking about with the genetics of yeast to turn, you know, yeast normally turns sugar into to, um, to alcohol, right? That's mm-hmm. beer brewing, that's winemaking. Uh, we were engineering yeast to turn sugar into you know, anti-malarial drugs and biofuels and renewable chemicals and surfactants and the like. Yeah. That sounds difficult and important. It was amazing. <laughs> it was a, a super fun company, amazing, amazing people, amazing technology. Yeah. We, we took that company public in 2010 and, and they're still around and wow. making great products. And are you, are you guys still involved, either of you, with your the companies that no. you both no. founded? No. H- no. How they, did you... They yeah. cut me loose. They cut yeah. loose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, didn't want, they didn't want anything to do with me anymore. <laughs> yeah, like after, yeah. after 15, 20 years. Yeah, they were like, like that's yeah. it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thanks, but... <laughs> we got later. this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So yeah. How, how did you two get to, to work together? <laughs> well, you, our, our previous companies actually collaborated. Ah. Um, so... Um, he mentioned surfactants yeah those are detergents and yes we bought that kind of yeah. stuff okay and and you know what's what's funny is we were we were having a, a drink one night and and uh i was kind of lamenting about the the challenges in in my business which is really that we were primarily a b2b business and i mm-hmm. was saying hey man i'm so jealous of you you get to sell straight to the consumer i wish i had that advantage and and uh Adam here. I don't know if you want yeah, to like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm like, careful what you wish for. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I was sort of grass is greener on, yeah. in the other way, which was, you know, Neil had created a really proprietary killer technology that they were using as a platform that they could grow the business in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was not something that we had in my method days. And so I was like, man, I really wish I had a company that just had this like the one thing that yeah. you could monetize in a ton of different ways. Yeah. Um, and it, the funny thing is we were just like, yeah, whatever. And we just like had our drink. And then it was years later that, that this all kind of came together. Yep. Oh, that's yep. amazing. And that's what we're doing, right? It's, it's, you know, we're, we have, we have both sets of problems now. We have, <laughs> 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 we're developing technology and delivering yes. it to consumers. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yes. Yes. How- <laughs> we definitely have <laughs> double the problems. <laughs> you know what? Hey. So how do you guys decide what to create and when? What what is that like the product creation? Is that is Neil is that like your um like it's, primary focus with the technology or It's a, it's really a collaboration. We have ideas that come in from uh from our marketing team said, "Hey, like here is a place that that we think is um uh, products that we think are really really um viable in the market and mm-hmm. we should make something that that fits th- those niches and we have products that come in from our r&d team uh just you know we, we give people what we call garage time 10 percent of their time that they're uh you know they're they're supposed to work on passion projects and oh wow and that's just nice to invent yeah and uh, we've got products that have i mean i think the shakes actually both, yeah. shakes were a were a uh, a garage time project initially and and uh they, they're, they're great. And, you know, we've got examples of both that have come through. All right. We're going to take a really quick commercial break to hear a word from our sponsors, but stay tuned for more. This episode is brought to you by Taste Washington, a food and wine lovers wonderland. Taste Washington offers the most wine and food from one single place in one single place including samples from more than 35 wineries, 65 restaurants, 60 exhibitors, and some of the nation's most talented chefs. Each spring, attendees can drink and eat their heart out over four days brimming with specially curated events that highlight the best of Washington State. The result of a continued partnership between Visit Seattle and Washington State Wine, Taste Washington is taking place March 28th to 31st. 2019. Mark your calendar for this year's lineup featuring the Red and White Party, Taste Washington on the Farm, the New Vintage, Seminars, the Grand Tasting, and Sunday Brunch. Learn more at tastewashington.org. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. 
My name is Michael Harlan Turkel, and I'm the host of The Food Scene here on HRN. This show explores the intersection of food, art, and design by talking to people who are inspired by these ideas. The show features food photographers, food stylists, interior designers, and so much more. All the players that make the world so visually delicious. You can find The Food Scene wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. And we're back on Eating Matters, where today I'm speaking with Adam Lowry and Dr. Neil Renninger, co-founders of Ripple Foods. I want to get back to like the consumer kind of educating consumers for a second, like because that's a big part of any kind of big food co- or any um, what I call like good food company or startup. Yeah. Like it requires a certain behavior change for a lot of people um, in this country. And that's like very challenging to kind of try and provide that education um, and do it in a way that is. Um, like engaging and um, also, you know, get people to kind of try your product specifically um, when they have that information. So what are ways that you guys work to kind of communicate your value add? Because there are a lot of them. Yeah. So we really lead with the product and we want the quality of what we put in the product to be the thing that really wows people, Mm -hmm. um, taste the nutrition, that sort of thing. And so, um, I'll actually kind of make an analogy back to the, to my method days, right? You know the brand. So you know that it's, you know, what most people know about method is like cool shapes and pretty packaging mm-hmm. and it smells good, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the deep sustainability of those products was, you know, really the, the core mission of that, of that, of that brand. And, and what the design did is it really, what it did is just opened up the, the audience to people that were more than just people that were already buying green cleaning products. Okay. And that's very philosophical and important for, for Neil and I, because like you don't only want to make green things for green people because the vast majority of the market isn't that. Yeah. Um, And you you want to move the market. You want to move the needle and you want to move the market. And so if you then contrast that with the situation within the dairy alternative space, the, the, the consumer is moving plant-based. Mm-hmm. They want to eat more plant-based. And it's now not because they have to, it's because they want to. It's a lifestyle choice that they're making. It's not a dietary restriction. Yeah. And when that's the case, they're not going to be willing to sacrifice the things that they expect from fill-in-the-blank, whatever product, in our case, dairy, right? And the fact of the matter is today... of the products by market share that are sold in the dairy alternative milk category Mm -hmm. have little or no protein at all, right? Yeah. Almond milk has one-eighth the protein of milk. Coconut and cashew have none, right? right? Our product has the same protein as milk. It gives you what you – and more importantly, it's creamy and rich the way that milk should be. It tastes better. Okay, one thing about – one thing about protein, yeah. there's still a lot of debate. I mean, there's a, there's so much debate in the nutritional community about oh, we're getting like, too everything. Much? I mean, I mean, yeah, protein. We're getting too much. Then I read, uh, an, you know, an article like from Harvard Health that is like, I don't know, maybe we're not getting too much. Maybe it's fine. And so there's just so much back and forth. I certainly have always thought we maybe we have too much of a focus on at least meat based proteins. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm wondering kind of your. I mean, obviously. You have a product that has protein in it, so you're a little yeah, biased. But we're not but a, yeah, we're, I mean, we're not a musclehead company. We're not, we're not trying to sell, like, you know, Joe Weeder, 1850 weight gainer. You know, yeah. what, we just, milk, like, it, it, the staples in your diet should right. be nutritious. Yeah. Right? And everybody knows the primary nutritional benefit of milk is protein and calcium. Calcium, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and so your milk should have that. If it doesn't, it's really kind of just sugar water. Right, um, yeah. And so what's kind of the point of those empty calories? Yep. Well, yeah, because I, I read that, you know, one of the things, you, you know, you kind of, the goal of your company is to fix a big gap in the nutrition system. And so one of my questions to you is going to be like, what is that gap? And you, we've talked a lot about protein. And so um, when we're, while there is some debate in the community, I'm just kind of wondering where you where you fall. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's... It's a, it's the safest place for your calories. Adam, you mentioned protein in general. Protein in general. Okay. Adam mentioned it's it's about the quality of the calories you're putting in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, despite uh, people's movement towards things like coconut milk and coconut fat. Yeah. Like again, those, that drives me crazy. It by the drives way. us crazy yeah. as well. It's so saturated stupid. fat is not healthy for you. It is well established. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's coming from a plant. It's not healthy for you. Yeah. Um, you know, well, sugars. what if it's grass fed? 
Oh man! Sorry. Holy Sorry. cow! Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going a little off. I'm going a little off kilter. That's um, okay. We I like um I I like it because there are these these trends that drive me crazy. Yes. Grass fed coconuts. Yeah, grass fed <laughs> coconuts are the worst. <laughs> like, will you stop with grass fed <laughs> coconuts, people? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no. But, so yeah. Yeah. So so you know we, we're looking for for fats that are very healthy to put in our, our product, but also the you know the primary calories are coming from. Um, coming from the the protein, and we kind of look at it from a broader macro standpoint from nutrition. I mean, it, while while there is this debate on protein and things, mm-hmm. like the, the health issues that are out there have to do with diabetes and heart disease, right. broadly mm-hmm. speaking, right? And a third of people in the in the country have high cholesterol, right? Yeah. And uh, the plant based world doesn't have any cholesterol in it, right? Our pro- so none of our products have any cholesterol. They're very low in saturated fat. Yeah. Um, they're much lower in sugar than their dairy counterparts, right? which right? is so and important. That's, that's that's like the macro stuff that's really important. And yeah. then, as Neil said, if you're going to if you're going to have this as a part of your dietary staple, like it should provide nutrition. And so that's why we put the same amount of protein as milk. That's why we do. I mean, right. we could put twice as much if we wanted, but we don't. Right. So how do you decide? Why was it just? Is that like a flavor thing? You know, like the sa- the same amount of milk, the protein. Yeah, no, so we protein. wanted to replicate milk. Okay, yeah. okay, it, it all right. It really yeah. was like how what what does milk have? It has eight grams. All right, yeah. that's what we're doing. Right. Like, um, yeah, it's this, that simple. It, yeah, I mean, it's these not. Are, it's not. I mean, it's. I wouldn't say it's not broke, but it's like this is what you know. That's it, the standard. It, yeah. It's the standard, and also, I mean, if you think about it. We mentioned the protein part, but yeah. the other part about dairy alternatives is that most people consider them kind of thin and watery yeah. and a little bit chalky. So, like, you have this crazy I- irony, which is that most dairy alternatives are actually awful alternatives to dairy. Right. You're <laughs> right? like, it does not, it should not be. And so, for us, that was kind of a design principle, which is like, well, we want to make a dairy alternative that's a great alternative to dairy. It should have the same nutrition or better. Yeah. Right? It's got mm-hmm. more calcium and the saturated fat and all that. Um, and it's just as tasty and creamy and like it works in your coffee it doesn't separate and like yeah. kind of all that stuff and yeah. what is the sugar how much sugar um i mean is the sugar all added in the sense that there's nothing like it's just pure protein so obviously everything is going to be added added in yeah. terms of product formulation right. uh yes yeah, so, so it, it is added sugar it has actually half the sugar of a dairy milk our original formula people don't realize how much sugar there is in dairy is a ton yeah. of sugar mm-hmm. in dairy and um, yeah, because it's plant based, we can we can actually add half of that half of that amount of sugar, and it actually is still sweeter than normal dairy milk. We also have an unsweetened variety. We have actually two unsweetened unsweetened skews. One that's kind of unsweetened original. It's kind of a, a play off of our original milk, and then one that's unsweetened vanilla flavored. We don't have them here, but um, mm-hmm. those have zero, okay, no sugar whatsoever. Yeah. And they, they still taste good? They still taste good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah. 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 the yeah, they don't have all that. And the, and the trick there is the protein, right? Yeah. You're not covering up a weird protein taste. Yep. Yeah. So you can get away with it. And certainly the calcium. I mean, this is something, it always um, is astounding to me, kind of the dairies, big dairies, like hold on the market. I mean, overall, basically. But this is no... Um, like clearer the case, I think, with the National School Meals Program, where 30 million kids are fed every single day through this program. And in order for schools to be reimbursed for like free reduced lunch, like they have to have three components on their tray. One of those components is milk, right. as in a cup of milk. fluid animal milk. Yes. As I mean, it just like blows my mind. But it, there's a huge, and maybe that can be Ripple one day. Man, I hope so. That would be if that would can, be really amazing. If you can tell us how to crack that nut, yeah, I'd right. be appreci- yes. I'd appreciate. Yes. It. Yes. Institutional purchasing, so yeah. important. Yeah. No, so but it's but all of um all of the dietitians. There's so many dietitians who are like, we cannot get rid of milk because it's the primary source of calcium for these kids. I mean, it it I doesn't know. need to be. Right? Yeah, exactly. There are plenty of other sources of, of calcium, vitamin D as well, right? Right. Um, and so your yours are similar, same thing. Same thing. Yeah, we have we have uh, we have more calcium than a, a glass of dairy milk. Uh, we have uh, we have slightly more vitamin D than a glass of dairy milk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, you know, from a fat standpoint, we actually have omega three fatty acids in our um, in our in our fat profile just to add more nutrition. Okay. Yeah. What is the price point like for your products? Yeah, we're we're kind of what you'd expect to pay for a non-dairy milk. So um, we're 
about the same price as the almond milks and soy milks that are in the in the marketplace. So basically, a mean? large bottle of our stuff you'd get it for uh, between four and five dollars. Okay. Um, sorry, I, w- I should probably and I should have. I want to like talk, kind of talking about price. And I know I'm all over the place right now, but I'm just um, I'm like I have so many questions about, sorry, about yep, this. Absolutely. Um, w- like, let's talk about just the size of the market in general, which is something I kind of wanted to do um, at the at the top. So, what like how how big is the plant based um, dairy alternative market compared to animal? It's about a $2 billion market in the U.S. Okay. Uh, it, uh, conventional dairy is about $20 billion. Um, so it's about one-tenth of the size yeah. of, of, uh, of, and that's those are the milk stats, right? Um, yeah. Dairy industry, including uh, all the, uh, the dairy products, uh, products is, is even larger than that. But it's important to recognize the... The dairy alternative space is growing really fast, right. yeah. and the dairy space is actually declining slowly. Right. I mean, in terms of overall milk consumption in this country, which um, I always find surprising, but certainly, um, you know, certainly milk is really cheap right now, and um, farmers, dairy farmers, are in a a really bad way. Um, so, kind of with that in mind, I think that there's, you know, I think about the landscape and the trade associations, and I feel like. Um, with the rise of plant-based milk dairy, dairy products, I imagine big dairy is probably not so psyched to have uh, a competitor come in that is gaining steam, not just like with your company, but just in the, uh, as a category in general. So how have you, I mean, has that been an issue for you guys yet or are you kind of not there yet? No, it's been, it's been interesting. You, you have, um, you have big dairy that's trying to um, redefine how we what what we call milk. Right. Um, so um, you have legislation that's gone in at a national level and even at, in some states that's trying to change the standard of identity of milk and and and. Um, and what they want to change it to is just <laughs> flat out awesome, right? Yeah. They want it to be, and I believe the quote is a lacteal secretion from a hooved mammal. Really? Which is if that's what milk is, You're like, I, don't I want do it. not want to be yeah. milk. <laughs> so, so just a bit. So, because yeah. ew. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's accurate. <laughs> it's yeah. accurate. So, the, so standard of identity is the official designation by the FDA, FDA. right? Um, in terms of like what a pro- what it actually is defined as. Right. And yeah. there's been a big movement from the dairy industry to define milk as only from an animal. A hooved mammal. Yes. A hooved and, lactating. A, a lactating hooved yes. mammal. Yeah. Yes. And even more than that, you know, obviously there's soy milk and almond milk and, and there's been case law uh, mm-hmm. that has been... Um, that's gone through the courts in cases that, that, you know, they say, hey, yes, you can call something soy milk because nobody's going to uh, mistake the They're the not going to be misled. They're not going to be misled yeah. by yeah. calling it soy milk because it's obviously, if it's soy milk, it's coming from a soybean. Right. right. Uh, yeah. And there's nobody in, in the dairy alternative space, at least that I know of, that uses the term milk unqualified. Right. right? Meaning right. just says, hey, this is milk. Yeah, you no, know, they're it's like, always soy milk or plant milk or something. Or if you're in Brooklyn, oat milk. Uh, or yes, tiger nuts. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the ninth court just upheld the dismissal for the the class action, saying that it was against almond breeze, right? Which they're they're um, almond milk. I, I mean, it's they kind of like milk. your competitor slash comrade. <laughs> In this case, yeah. Was, yeah, well, yeah. My, my but, view of almond milk isn't that great. Right, yes, right. <laughs> I mean, there, but a win for the overall industry. A win for the industry. I, you know, there, there is a piece that, of, of the dairy industry's argument that we, you know, like we understand. And that is the fact that all of these, you want something that has that same nutrition. Right. Um, and a lot of 90% of the market doesn't. Doesn't, yeah. Um, yeah so like, we get it. Yeah, yeah. I, we would absolutely support Somebody saying, hey, well, in order to be able to use the term milk, it's got to have the nutrition of milk or better. Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. We'd be on that because that's what our company philosophy is. And 90% of the products sold in this space are pale in comparison from yeah. a nutritional standpoint. So I think Neil's right there. And we actually sent a letter to Commissioner Gottlieb, the FDA um, lead, mm-hmm. uh, 
we didn't hear back, you know. Which what did I you didn't, say in your letter? Basically that. We said, listen, we hear you're thinking about, you know, defining more tightly how you can use the term milk. Like, yeah, totally understand why you're doing that. And just so you know, not all non-dairy milks are, are Have def- this deficient in yeah. this nutrition. And just so, like, yeah. just be aware. Yeah. Right. And the FDA is like, sorry, nobody's home because the government <laughs> yeah, shut yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure working. they were. They're not working. I'm sure yeah. they were when you were um, sent that letter. But um, <laughs> you know, so where is that? Where I mean, is there that was something that the FDA was looking at in terms of changing the standard in 2018? But it, has that moved at all? No, still? no, no. It's still yeah. it's still under consideration. And and you know, we we have a a trade group uh, called the Plant Based Foods Association that um, that's helping organize mm-hmm. um, and is that and Michelle Simon? On, it's Michelle's group. Yep, yeah, exactly right. And uh, she's doing a great job leading that group and and um, um, making sure that we're all aligned and and um, kind of you know keeping track of, of where that stands and. and not only at the national level, but also at the state, state level. level yeah. it's, because there, there's, there are some states that are cropping up with similar language. Um, where, what do you think the next kind of regulatory fight or you know, attention that, that will call your attention will be coming from? Or do you think it's labeling primarily for the next year or so? Yeah, I think it's labeling. I mean, we're going to have to um, make a change to our labels to, to add added sugar um, to um, to the nutrition facts portion, of which will label. be true of everybody uh-huh. in the non-dairy yeah, space, it will be. Yeah, yep. um, and uh, you know that that'll that'll be the next bit. I you know it's uh, that that piece. I it's it's a it's a, it's a it's a yeah it's a hard one. I, I to read the tea leaves. Well, it's a hard one to read the tea leaves. I think yeah. I, I you know specifically around the, the the concept of added sugar, putting added sugar on a, a label. It's it's hard for us to well we're gonna have to put it on the label yeah um you know dairy milk still has double the sugar that we do yeah and it's gonna have zero added sugar right i was gonna say it's gonna it's gonna yeah so that's gonna be sugar sugar you know sugar sugar sugar. sugar. hence the you know but then it gets back to like educating consumers correct but this is a very this is a very nuanced yeah, the thing I Topic. the thing you, you know crystal ball your question I I don't have one but I think the the thing I think is sort of could be weird is that it seems like some people are trying to play this on a state by state basis yeah which makes it really sort of insidious in terms of its impact mm-hmm. um, where I mean, that's how like that's how federal legislation gets passed you have yeah. to get a number of states on board first and then it's like yeah and, but then it's a patchwork and there's all these sort of different it's a you know, nightmare going, for a while yeah and it, it's <laughs> hard for a small company like ours to I mean even to keep track of it you know I, I met with some people in Washington DC that were like part of talking to the FDA and like the price tag to even just write a letter is like our marketing budget for a year. It's like, you know, it's like, really? not a, I mean, it's not quite that bad, yeah, but, but, it's, no, but like, it's, it's a huge, yeah. it's a huge amount of money. If you wanted to play in that game, it's just not, I mean, that's why trade exists. Associations kind of exist right. because it just, you just have it, to, it's just money. Right. It's literally just money. Right. Yeah. I don't know why that surprised me for, for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I can still be sad, surprised. Yeah. It is. Sad. Um, so yeah, so it's hard, it's hard to read the tea leaves, but, um, you know, that's, it's good to feel like you guys have your work cut out for you, at least for now, at least for now. We, we um, feel that way too. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, we've got enough for right now just that's to focus exactly on. exactly right. Um, I, we are going to have to wrap up in a little bit, but I still, um, would be remiss if I didn't ask a question about farmers and your suppliers. Yeah. Um, who do you guys work with? Like, what does that process look like? Where, you know, are they, is it? grown in the u.s um how much are you sourcing kind of generally speaking yep. can you talk us t- to us a little bit about that so peas uh our peas are grown in the u.s uh, u.s and canada so um we'll accept canada we like them <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. exactly they're buddies <laughs> at least now i think they have health care <laughs> they have that so yeah you're looking at the dakotas montana up into saskatchewan right kind okay. of northern plains regions Mm-hmm. Um, we we source our peas in a couple of different ways. We work with specific farmers, and we source other peas uh, through 
um, through kind of conventional okay. um, aggregated supplies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. Um, what's nice about, well, maybe a little bit more about the why the peas, peas are super sustainable, right? Yeah. You're looking at a crop that doesn't require a lot of water to grow. A lot of these things, these these farmers actually dry irrigate their uh, their pea crop, so it's just rain irrigated. Really? Yes. Um, and is there um, a lot of rain in the Dakotas? No, but they, no, uh, but they don't need don't, a lot. Peas don't need a lot of water. Wow. Yeah. They also grow in a slightly <laughs> rainier season on the shoulders. Yeah. It's huh. it's actually you don't want too much water. Like the reason why they don't grow further further south is because it actually, it's it's too wet. Wow. So. Um, so it's perfect for global warming. It is. They are a great <laughs> crop. We're gonna have um, a lot of that. You know, they're nitrogen future. fixers as well. So, like, they're they're an amazing crop. So you don't yeah, have to fertilize. Amazing. You don't have to put yeah. nitrogen fertilizer on them at right. all. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you, you know, it's uh, they're already just a super sustainable crop. But, yeah. But we get to actually identify farmers that are even uh, kind of pushing the edge. The people that actually. Um, don't till their land when they're farming, which Mm -hmm. is a huge contributor of greenhouse gas emissions. Um, uh, But there are plenty of folks out there that are are pushing the edge. They realize that that tilling actually declines their soil quality. So they actually farm with a no-till practice. And, um, you know, those are farmers that we love to work with. Yeah. And how do you select your farmers? Uh, How have we identified them? Yeah. Yeah, We have a... a, um, a, an investor that has actually helped us, that, an investor that is kind of integrated from, you know, they, they invest in everything from land to companies like us, right, mm-hmm. who are uh, delivering CP, or CPG companies. Across the value chain of ag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So they've helped us identify some of these these farmers in, in the regions that they know very well. Right, and make yeah. those connections. Yep. All right, well, co- okay, a couple more questions before we, we have to wrap up, but I'm curious... Um, as two people who come from like non-food companies, right? That you started. What have you found? I want to ask each of the, of you this. Like, what it, what you know? Challenges. What is different about working in this space compared to? Well, for me, there's a lot. A right? lot. I mean, yeah. Yeah. How, I much, mean, I, how like, much time do we have? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys were so perfectly succinct in the first question. We, we make up for it on the back end. I. I uh, it was, I mean, there's so much learning, which is actually the the most entertaining part of starting a company. It's all the little pieces that you don't know about, um, you know, working in a space that, that you find out. Um, things that to me are, are things like, you know, uh, uh, there are lots of little frustrations. Uh, our brokers are great. Our brokers help, are kind of an extended extended sta- sales staff. Uh-huh. Um, uh, they they do a great job, um, and I, I it just it blew my mind that that there is there existed this kind of layer of people that you know you have to pay in order to get your product on the shelves and yeah. and that means is you know you're paying them you know if you're paying them uh, fifteen cents a bottle that's fifteen cents a bottle you're the less that you're getting yeah. those things there are lots of little things that that add up like the distributor. Yes, or, or a, a distrib- yeah, a distribution partner. You yeah. know the the cost of 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 moving product, the freight costs, perishables. Yes, all of those things. Um, is your product up. shelf stable? Like uh, not shelf stable, but you where so, is it? Some found? are, some aren't. So okay. our core milk range uh, requires refrigeration, okay. but um, our our protein shakes don't. These guys for don't. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yep. So yeah, so so quite a bit that's different from. Oh yes. I don't even know how to summarize the company that you founded. <laughs> um, again, we go back to my lack of science background, but I'm fascinated by it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, what about you? Um, yeah, I think the. I would have thought that it, so so the the manufacturing environment in the food world is very. It, it, food safety is a huge issue, and so you've got to be all over that. Yeah. And I, I, I was surprised how consolidated the manufacturing infrastructure was, meaning there just aren't that many people that actually do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big surprise for me. So, like the production, where mm-hmm. where you're yeah food. turning our ingredients into our products. Yeah. And where do you mostly produce? Is it in California? We have facilities in California, but also across the country and actually in, into southern Canada, wow. depending on the product. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, what's what's next for you guys? 
2019, start of a new year. World What's the domination. plan? I like that. We, it's, Where do you, you know, start? More, more products. Obviously, we just released the the, uh, the nutritionals line, and that that you uh, uh, your listeners can find at Target stores. Yeah, they can also find our barista series milk at Target wow. stores, and that product actually will blow your mind. Yeah, um, because it. You talk about that performance of that velvety sort of latte foam that you get from dairy. So, so that's a barista. It's like a, it's like, a, yeah. is it milk or is it like a half and half? It's milk. Okay. It's a milk, you know, it's for like making a latte. Okay. And we, we also have a half and half, which is great as a coffee creamer. That's my, that's yeah. what I do. Yeah. I'm a half and half girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we're going to be, our, the vision for, for Ripple is to build it in, in, into a brand that's all the way across the dairy regimen. So think about a couple of years from now, milk, yogurt, cheese, ice cream, the right. works. Right, I eat and, a lot of those. Yeah, and we're going to be stepping into some of those new areas in, in 2019, so keep your eyes peeled. That's so exciting. Yeah. All right, and so um, Target and Whole Foods, any other major retailers? Were- yeah, we're in most of the major grocers across the country those are of course different names depending on where you're listening from right. but yeah for our detroiters Major, uh oh yeah in detroit um man what were what were i know you can buy some of our some of our products at kroger stores there you go oh, kroger um, yeah yes. yeah it's a big one. Uh, I've totally forgotten what the major grocery are. I feel are like in Kroger is the one. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. pretty much the one. That's the only one that comes to mind in terms yeah. of like major. Um, but yes, all right. Well, plenty of options for sure. And I just want to thank you both so much for coming on the show and joining me in the studio. Well, thank you. Thank thanks you for, for having us. us. <laughs> I want to give a big thanks to our sponsors for their generous support of this program. Show music is by Tim Archer. All episodes of Eating Matters are available on the Heritage Radio Network website or as a podcast wherever they're found. If you do- haven't done so already, please subscribe and leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. I'm Jenna Liu and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can also find us at Facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage, and thanks for listening.